Hey, it's Dashiell Miller, and we're here with our Kuden Radio podcast uh, weekly gathering, right? So uh, today is, uh, what is today? Monday, February 21st of 2022, for those of you who are keeping track. And uh, yeah, so uh, if you saw the little, I don't know, billboard, slide, whatever I've been posting all day, then you know what the theme is about, kind of, right? Because I only have so many words to use. But uh, let's start this off. Uh, before we, you know, run the titles and all that kind of stuff, um, something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately that I think we all could use uh, quite a bit of reminding about, right? Because there's this trap that we can all kind of fall into. And uh, anyway, so uh, you, you might have heard this before. I'm going to adjust my screen right here. Right? So anyway, so again, if you're listening on uh, Apple, Apple, what the hell are they? They used to be Apple Tunes, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all that. You have no idea what I just did. But anyway, um, so, um, but we, again, a lot of this, you know, it requires some uh, avoidance of traps, right? If we're really going to progress. So here's the thing, right? Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, right? Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, and success is engineered. Regardless of whether we're talking about martial arts, our life, or whatever, right? Success is engineered. It's not luck, right? And I know it's easy to fall into some of these traps and believe that the opposite is true, but it's not. All right. So let's go ahead and kick this off and I'll talk to everybody again in just a minute. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves? and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's true. Anyway, all right, so uh, James is in the background monitoring all this stuff. Uh, I know for most of you who are just like listening in in the future, uh, this thing started when it started and whatever. But for those uh, who are waiting for it to get started, uh, we got started a couple minutes late because there was some system glitches and all that. Uh, but James, am I coming through okay? Everything's everything's good. We're all good. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's go back to to what I mentioned before this whole thing kicked off. Right? Um, absence of evidence. Right? Do we do we know what that means? Right? Absence of evidence. Right? Um, uh, something that was really big when I was in law enforcement, right? Um, somebody could could say that a crime was committed or whatever, but th- there's nothing that even points to that, right? There's there's an there's an absence of evidence, right? Or we could we could you know people could know. I'm making air quotes for those that are just on the audio stuff, right? Uh, they could know that somebody's just crooked or bad or they did something wrong or they're going to or whatever, right? The problem is, is that if there's no evidence, right, then it's really hard to prove that that's true, right? And that's where things like I don't, religion or spirituality or philosophy or faith or trust or whatever comes in, right? Um, because the absence of evidence, right, is not 
evidence of absence, right? And that, so that's the other side, right? Evidence of absence. What does that mean, right? Well, where then, where we run into this is folks have a hard time. I know I did, right? I mean, I didn't come to this like I, I, I wasn't born, right, with my mom standing up holding on to a, a tree and my first seven steps. There was a lotus petal or a lotus flower growing up. It's actually the story, uh, the, the Buddhist origin story for anybody that, that uh, knows it. It doesn't matter, right? Um, but uh, people like to believe, right, that their teacher somehow or these other people that are successful somehow have this leg up on the world or they're lucky or they were whatever, right? What are some of these terms, right? They were born with a silver, silver spoon in their mouth or whatever, right? But what's really going on is this is this friggin' trap, right? That um, because I can't see it, right? And we'll talk about a couple of different ways that this this can can show up. Um, that because I can't see something or I can't recognize the potential now, or I, I there's there's like knowledge I don't have or whatever, right? That somehow that's evidence that I can't do it, right? That's all evidence. It's all proof, right? That who knows what, right? The friggin' world's out to get me. Uh, you know, everybody else, uh, you know, is somehow screwing the system or cheating or whatever. So that's how they're getting theirs and or, you know, whatever, right? Everything from my wife won't let me to, uh, you know, I've, I've had injuries and I've been trying to do this for 30 years and whatever, right? Name a whole slew of freaking reasons that people give as the evidence for why whatever the, whatever they want, money, time, uh, whatever, right? Um, why that's absent in their life, right? Um, but that's not true, right? The absence of evidence, right? Evidence of absence. These, these go together in this, in this little thing, right? So what we're looking at here is, is, okay, we can't see it, right? So we have no evidence. We have no facts or justifying factors or whatever that, that prove, right? That I can do it, right? But there's a problem, right? There's this gap, and this is going to come up again, but there's this gap, right? If, if I truly can't do this, right? If all of these things that I believe are true, right? This so-called absence of evidence, right? There's nothing to, to show me that I can actually do this in my world, in my life, right? Why the hell do I have this burning desire, this dream, this drive, whatever you want to call it, to do this thing, to get this thing, to, to get into a better place, right? I mean, is this some ginormous fucking cosmic joke that, you know, um, okay, so I was born with all these desires or developed them or whatever, but they're never going to be realized for me because I'm just stuck, right? It's just never going to happen, right? I mean, what kind of brutal kind of God or universe or whatever could there be, right? And why would there be descriptions of heaven or hell if... I don't know about you, but to me, having those dreams and desires and goals and burning passions and all that, but absolutely being incapable of realizing them, I can't imagine hell being worse than that. I can't. Okay? 
And that's coming from somebody that that had all these same beliefs, right? So again, before you think that I'm like on some pedestal doing some kind of sermon or preaching about something that you need to do and whatever, but I, I don't, I can't possibly understand. Uh, all this is coming from a level of understanding. All of this is coming from loving lessons from teachers. Now, sometimes those loving lessons were like a sit down nurturing conversation. And sometimes they were a freaking tip of the boot love kind of thing. Um, if you're going to do this, you move your ass kind of thing, right? You know, all that, all that non nice stuff that nobody wants to hear, right? But, right, we've got this potential for more, right? More than, more than you've been taught, right? More than you've been told, more than you've maybe, like me, had beaten into you or beaten out of you, right? Comply, um, you know, the, the people that were doing the beating, right? They never accomplished their dreams and goals, so how dare you, right? And because they're in a position of authority or size or strength or power or whatever, you know, they're going to get conformity one way or the other, okay? Or how about a belief because you're so focused on your current condition or your current state that you actually believe that that's a forever thing and not a temporary condition, Right? That's what this, that's what this statement means. This absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Okay. And so, uh, I've got a whole bunch of notes here because there was so much that was just like popping around in my head, uh, for this episode that I want to make sure that, that we get this right. Um, there's, there's this trap, right? But we also have to understand, and I know in a couple, a couple of episodes ago and, um, some of, some of my, uh, lessons with my inner, uh, inner circle students during our personal development uh, week, right? Our curriculum is kind of broken down into uh, each week is a different uh, part of the training, right? So week one is, is personal development, could be history, could be uh, knowledge, it could be Seichin Techie, right? Personal clarity, whatever, right? Week two is, what is that, skills? No, that's uh, strategy and tactics week, right? So we're looking at how to apply um, the techniques uh, or how to set them up so that application is much, much easier. Those kind of things, right? It's strategic thinking. It's tactical application. Uh, it's, it's controlling the, the situation before the bullets ever start flying or the fists start flying or whatever. It's, it's, uh, making your attacker believe that they have, uh, control when they've lost it already, but they don't know it yet, right? Those kind of things, right? Um, and then week three is uh, skills and techniques, right? And that's where we'll focus in on a skill or three or a given technique or whatever and really do a deep dive into uh, what's really going on and not what it looks like is going on, right? Because remember, this is needed to. One of the things I was taught a long, long time ago was this is one of those things that was pounded into me, right? If you're really doing needed to, then nothing is ever what it looks like. And if it is what it looks like, then one – not only is it not needed to, but he knows what you're doing. He's probably experienced it before. He probably has counters to it. And so, you know, you've got a problem, right? You're going to end up fighting like everybody else, right? So, uh, and then what's week four? Week four is weapons week. So, but anyway, right, I've, I've covered this thing uh, either a couple of episodes ago or whatever, where we have to be careful how how we let conditioning determine our future, okay? Because our, our 
perception of reality is based on what we have experienced. And if left unchecked, it will determine what we will experience, right? It's just going to be like a, like a merry-go-round, right? In Mikyo, we call it samsara, right? Samsara is normally seen of as, uh, by a lot of people as like the hell of Buddhism or whatever, but it's, well, I guess it could be perceived that way, right? But the word samsara means to go around very much, right? Uh, in the States, I don't know about Canada or Australia or the UK or whatever, um, but uh, we say uh, same shit, different day. We say what goes around comes around. We say all these little things that really mean the same thing, right? It's the same shit over and over and over and over again, right? Um, but we don't. what we don't get is that we're driving, right? I mean, ultimately, it's up to us as to what we believe or whatever, okay? Uh, so anyway, right? Uh, so this really leads to, if, if we're going to fix this, right? If we're going to get to the handle on this and we're going to really start making changes, right? Again, this, these are things that my teachers taught me that they're not, you're, you, if you trained with me on a regular basis, you would hear this very often, right? It could be physical training drills. It could be kuden lessons like this, uh, whatever. But you could, you, you'll hear me say things like, this is not a self, this is not a self-defense technique, right? In and of itself. But it has absolutely everything to do with self-defense. Okay. And we have to handle these, right? Because there's far too many people, in, in my opinion, far too many people contacting me wanting, really wanting to do things, right? That's the, that's the lead in on their email or the lead in on their, their, you know, discussion on a live uh, kind of thing or whatever. But then it very, very quickly shifts to, they may not use these words. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But it just goes to this, right? I really want to do this. I've always wanted to do this. I need to get back to it, whatever, but I can't. And here are all the reasons why I can't, right? See, my ears, now my mouth used to use that, the, the same logic, right? Um, but I got the lessons and I had to work the lessons. But what my ears hear now probably is the same thing that my teachers used to hear, right? And I don't mean like wah, 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 not that, right? What I'm hearing is your plan, right, for, for making the change, okay? Because if you've identified all the things that are getting in your way, then if I systematically eliminate those things or change those things or whatever, right, then the success that I'm looking for should happen by default. Or even if the success is now I can start training, right? The problem can be one of two things. And sometimes it's both. One, we are so conditioned. Well, three things. We're so conditioned to believing that this is it. That nothing that anybody tells me is going to work, right? To, to, to get me to see something different, okay? Two, I could be so conditioned to believe that this is true that it becomes absolutely freaking terrifying to do something different because part of that conditioning, conditioning, whether it was self-induced or somebody else taught me was that I'm going to, I'm going to get some kind of punishment or hell because I break from the status quo, right? I'm going to crash and burn. I'm going to fail miserably. I'm going to whatever, right? Or the third condition or the third, uh, 
thing is that um, I, I won't even try. I mean, all of these things are about the not trying, right? But I could I could be I could be so conditioned to the level of comfort that I have, right? That I, I'm, you know, this this is safe, right? So it's just this is comfortable, right? I don't have an imperative need. Right. This isn't 13th century Japan where there's a risk of government forces invading our mountain and killing every man, woman and child in the village or in the villages. Right. There's no imperative need to get this stuff because, well, you know, it's really kind of a nicety. It's not a necessity. Right. Um, and I said this before. Right. Comfort is the poison of success. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's comfortable statements or it's comfortable um, uh, conditions, right? Okay. Um, anyway, so one of the things I got thinking about was something that one of my mentors uses this, but it's in a different context, right? But I got to thinking about this stuff, and it's it's you know if if you really get into this stuff. It's, it's going to require a lot of thinking. It's going to require more effort and energy and passion and drive and resources than you could even imagine. But if it's worth doing, anyway. So the thing I got thinking about was what I'm, what I'm going to call generational stupidity. Okay? Generational stupidity. And this could be in the martial arts. This could be in school, right, the academic world. This could be in our families, right? And what I mean by generational stupidity is somebody came up with some kind of freaking idea that this is the limit, right? This is as far as we can go. This is the reality. This is, this is the way it is. And then that just keeps getting passed down, right? From mentor, parent, teacher, whatever, to the next group. They take it as, as some kind of sacrosanct, uh, gospel kind of thing, and then that gets passed on, and that gets passed on, and that gets passed on, and then, right, it just becomes, it becomes truth, right? Well, you know, it's what everybody does. And as a part of that generational stupidity, right, what human beings tend to do is gather together in groups of people that have similar ideologies, right? We move into neighborhoods that we feel comfortable in, Right? We wouldn't, you know, if we're worried about the possessions we have or whatever, we might not move into certain uh, uh, neighborhoods because of the crime rate. Uh, but also we might not move into certain uh, neighborhoods because, you know, um, these people are all on a higher level of success. They've got, you know, based on whatever definition we're using, nicer cars, nicer houses, nicer clothes, whatever, right? And so either way, it's going to make us feel uncomfortable. Right. So we don't. Right. So we gravitate toward neighborhoods. We gravitate toward jobs. We gravitate toward businesses that 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 allow me to surround myself with people that are very similar or at least a department and job that I'm going to get into that remind me of me. Right. That I'm going to feel comfortable with because we're all the same. Right. Now that just piles extra shit on top of the generational stupidity, because now what you have is a bunch of people running around with an ideology that's in common 
but the energy is just it's 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 more involved because the genera generational stupidity is coming from a lot of a lot of paths right a lot of lines right um, uh, one of one of the things that that I'm kind of reminded of is um, I've had students that were in other martial arts that did uh, sport competition that kind of thing right and they get involved in what we're doing. And, you know, they, they very quickly realize that, oh, man, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing that I, I can't do with a ring. There's rules against that, right? You can't stick your thumb in somebody's eye. You can't grab a groin. You can't, you know, whatever, right? Um, but what ends up happening is down the line, the itch comes back in because they really enjoyed that. And, you know, there's this there's this idea, right? Can I, can I go, you know? Yeah, we as a school don't do that, but absolutely, you can go, you can name the school, have a good time, right? And then they come back very, very disappointed because when they did it originally, they were so caught up in their style and, you know, it was everybody, everybody coming in, these different styles, right? Or whatever, name names. I'm not going to throw any out because I don't want to push any buttons and have somebody like, you know, have a spasm or something, Right. But what they couldn't see then that they could see now was everybody's representing a style, but because of the way that the, the things are organized and they're set up, right? And the, just, just the way it's done, right? There now becomes this, this common mindset that you see very little of the style from different, different people, regardless of the art they came from. And when they're out in the ring, they all pretty much look like they're doing the same thing. But they're trying to do it faster, or they're trying to do it harder, or they're trying to do it trickier. But what you really don't see is the secrets that those individual styles were supposed to bring to the table. Okay? And often, the reason for that is the rule sets kind of strip away a lot of things that were guarded secrets, right? But, but there's that, right? And there's, there's all these kind of things, right? There's, there's things that you might even have things in your, in your own family. Um, I remember once, um, it was a long, long time ago, but, uh, you know, this was, this was in a different age, right? When, uh, the, the, the moms and the aunts and the grandmas and all that taught the, the girls that were coming up, right? How to cook and, uh, that kind of stuff. And that's what they did, uh, you know, during family get togethers and they handled all that stuff and the guys did all the heavy lifting and, putting all the picnic tables in place and, and hanging stuff and, you know, whipping out the grills and whatever. Right. Um, but I remember, um, there was this discussion, uh, cause I was, you know, I, I like to cook from a very, very early age. So I kind of weaseled myself in there, took some, you know, took some jibes from the other guys in the family. Cause you know, that's women's work. Really? You know, I got my wife, um, uh, because, uh, one of our early dates, uh, I cooked for her and then we've had cooking contests because we both think we're the better cook. But anyway, right. So, um, uh, there was this, there was this family gathering. And so I'm watching them make this roast, right. They were making this roast and I mean, they would get these large roasts, right. This is what you get. You get this roast it comes a certain size. Right. And then what they were doing was they were like lopping off like 20, 30% of the roast and wrapping it up and putting it away for some later meal or something, right? And then they were putting it in this pan. Um, pan had plenty of room, right? 
but they're, you know, seasoned it, did all this kind of stuff, right? Put it in the oven. And I'm like, okay, all right, so you do this, you do this, right? And for a while, right, that just kind of stuck, right? This is the, this is, this recipe was passed down from like a grandmother or something, right? And so, um, I, I think it was like my grandmother's grandmother. So, so, you know, it's, it's going okay, right? And it's, but then there's this, there's this meal that we're preparing for, right? And I'm, I'm looking at this thing like, why are we saving this other meat? I mean, we're, okay, for, what, what are you going to make it, what are you going to make with it later in the week? Well, I don't know yet, but, uh, you know, it's part of the recipe. This is what we do. We cut off this end and we, we wrap it up and we put it away. And, um, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm confused now, right? Cause something sparked in my head. Like, why, why are we doing that? Right. And all I kept getting back was, well, this is part of the recipe. This is just how it's done. This is, you know, whatever. Right. And so like, I, I wouldn't let it go. I'm, I'm really irritating people. Right. Why are you doing this? I mean, why? I mean, we get a lot of people, right. You bought three roasts. You're going to lop off 20, 20, 30% of each of these roasts, wrap it up and put it away. That's extra food that could be feeding the folk. Maybe we could have bought two roasts or whatever. Right. And I finally follow it back. So I get to my, I ask my mom and my aunts and stuff, and I keep getting this answer. And then I go to my, my grandmother. Um, and finally, like I, I, I ask my grandmother and she starts thinking about it. She says, you know, um, that's what your, what your grandmother or what my, my mother used to always do. Right. And she said, you know, now that I think about it, um, I think she did that because she didn't have a pan big enough for a full size roast. So, you know, she had to cut it, right? And then that was saved, right? Because, you know, they came out of the depression era, not a whole lot of money, right? So they, they typically only did this for like Sunday meals. And, and even when I was young and growing up, right? Till I moved off and had my own family, the Sunday meal was like the big meal for the week. And like you made a lot of food so that there was leftovers, right? And this came from a poverty mindset way back, even though, you know, in the mid seventies, my dad was making 13 to $15 an hour, which was a God awful amount um, because the minimum wage was two something, $2.30 an hour or something like that, right? Making a lot of money. Of course, as a negative role model, he also showed me how you can piss a lot of money away too, by just doing a bunch of shit and not being responsible, not focusing on the few. Anyway, that's a different class. So anyway, um, what it really came down to was the recipe was written down based on grandmother, great grandmother, whatever, the person who started it, not having a pan big enough. So that was written into the recipe, cut this much off, place in pan, whatever. Right. Except that my grandmother and my mom and aunt had bigger pans. Right. So see now, I'm not saying that great grandma was stupid or anything like that. She was working what was going on. But what ends up happening is we end up having this blind faith in the people that told us how to do something, right? How specific was that lesson? Or did we make assumptions about what they were saying, right? Did we clarify or did we just guess, right? Or uh, is there something else going on? Right. So here's a question for everybody. Right. I mean, we're on a need to or a martial arts self-defense podcast. Right. Um, one, have you ever heard anybody in your family knock what you're doing? Right. Why, why do you have to be doing that? Right. I mean, is this uh, what I heard was 
Um, is this going to put food on the table, right? Is this going to uh, feed your family, right? What, what's, what's this going to do for you, right? Um, the answer is yes. I, I told my uh, stepfather that uh, before he died. Yeah, yeah, puts food on the table. Yeah, protects my family, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you bet, right? Protects a whole lot of, a lot of other people too. Um, but I got a bunch of these things, right? Um, there, there was even some, some verbal attacks to try to get me to not do things, right? So I don't know if you can relate to, to any of this stuff. Um, if, if you can, then maybe it makes, maybe that, maybe it makes more sense, right? Uh, but I also remember, you know, the same thing growing up. I, I suddenly became aware of religion. It was probably early junior high school, maybe like, I don't know, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. You guys might call it middle school now because you're not old like me. Um, but uh, I became aware of, you know, I'm walking home from school and I'm passing a Baptist church, I'm passing a Lutheran church, I'm passing a Catholic church, I'm passing a, uh, a Jewish synagogue, I'm, you know, whatever, right? I'm passing all these things. And so, you know, I go home and in my, my best ability, right? I mean, is there a church that we're associated with or, you know, um, why are all these different ones? And what I hear is, you know, we're Methodist. Okay. What does that mean? Right. Well, that's what our family does. That's, that's our belief system. Um, I learned a bunch of other crap later, but either way, um, I was left with the assumption that like we have a certain color blood because that's, that's just part of the genetic makeup. Right. I had no idea that people could choose. I was just taught that this is what we do, right? Um, and then there were all these little, you know, dogmatic rules and stuff like that that came along with it. But if you think about any area of your life, unless you branched out and got away from whatever the family was doing and you're literally, literally doing your own thing, and then how much of that really is your own thing, right? Um, how much of that is actually still going on? How much of that is still conditioning what you think you're capable of, right? Um, how far you, you think you can go, right? What is it that is what we do that you've taken as a limitation on I, me, right? And again, not just families, right? Uh, schools, Martial arts, right? We don't, you know, somebody does something or does a little move in class or whatever. I've, I've heard this, right? Um, doing a little move. No, not in, not with my teachers, but uh, doing something, right? And uh, somebody leans over and goes, we don't do it that way. Right? That's not our style, right? That's wrong. Wait, what? So it doesn't work? Well, yeah, it works, but that's what those guys over there do. We, that's, that's not our style, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna do this, then, you know, you've got to conform to this kind of thing. Okay. Um, same thing in school, right? Um, anybody ever think to ask, especially if you live in the States, right? Why we only go to school nine months out of the year and we have the summer off? It's not about a big vacation. It goes back to our agrarian roots when we were a farming country, Right. The family needed the kids at home during the summer months for handling the farm all the way to harvest. And then after the harvest was done, now you can go get educated during the cold months uh, and all that. So that because, you know, there's nothing to do around the farm. 
I mean, there's chores, you know, feed the animals and all that kind of stuff, but it's not the same as having to plant, tend, harvest, take to market, that kind of stuff. It's very, very different, right? So why? Same thing with having counties. In Louisiana, you would say parishes, right? But that's a throwback to when people were all spread out, right? So you have a county that governs all these little villages and burgs and all that. But these things freaking grew big, right? And here we still have counties. Why do we still have counties, right? I mean, towns almost, I mean, unless you're in, in farming country, they don't damn near butt up against each other, right? They're buying each other out, right? So they can, so they can get a bigger share of the tax base and, and those kind of things, right? So until you really look into it, you get trapped by this that because it's, what's well, the way it's done, right? You don't question it. It's just the way it's done. Right. Um, but either either way, I mean, it's, there, there's this idea, right, that that we have to be careful um, because if that's the way it's always been done, then perhaps therein lies our evidence for absence. Right. That, you know, everything I see right, is proof that I can't do it. But if I'm willing to look. And not just assume because of the other stupidity that I got, which had to do with, well, those rich people over there have always been rich. They were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and they're out to screw the little guy. Okay? If I actually start looking and realize well, they're first-generation wealthy, that guy is, you know, put himself through school. He's the first one in his family to graduate, and that's why he's a lawyer. He doesn't come from a family of lawyers. Right? I know an eye doctor. She was a member of my uh, school. Um, I think she was an eye doctor. Uh, and her husband is a lawyer, right? But um, she was raised in a family of uh, coal miners. They didn't have college educations, right? So, but to look at somebody and make assumptions, because that's what you were taught to do, right? Doctors, lawyers, whatever, they, they come from a different class in life, Right? With no clue that they grew up out of, right? But if we're willing to look and we're willing to see that, then we can see that, oh, shit. The absence of evidence in my life, right, because it's been conditioned, is not evidence of absence, period, right? These other people grew up just like me or worse, and they made it. Huh, interesting, right? Here's a, here's a, and, and some of you already know this story, right? Um, you know, I was beaten physically, emotionally, uh, and I don't mean like I was a spanked child and I have resentment that I, I, you know, am using the whole drama king kind of thing to make it sound like it was worse than it was. No, I mean the man landed punches wherever he could reach, right? Um, I remember one time, and I may have mentioned this before, but I remember one time um, we were all sitting watching TV in the living room, right? And he had, he had complete control over, you know, whether we could go out and play, whether we could do whatever, right? And he snapped awake from a nap on the couch. I mean, that man practically slapped, slept his life away. But he snapped awake, he screamed my sister's name, picked up a shoe, and threw it across the, the, the living room, hit her right in the face, right? Now... He panicked and apologized profusely, except that this mother, this individual, right, dreamt violence. 
Okay? Scary shit, right? So here I am, right? What when I encountered these these teachings, right? Got my first books, looking at that martial arts magazines and all that, right? That's the kind of world I grew out of, right? Remember, I became a cop to combat this stuff because that was that's what what I thought I had available to me, right? I was doing other martial arts, right, and and trying to conform to things regardless of whether or not they looked like they actually matched defending against things that would actually happen on the street or the kind of violence that, that I had witnessed and been, you know, the target of and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but it wasn't until I realized that, wow, several of my teachers, similar backgrounds, Hatsumi sensei, right? Past generation grandmaster. I know that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers, right? Oh, he's the grandmaster. No, he's passed the torch, guys. So um, does that mean I don't respect it? No, of course not, right? But let's call it what it is, right? He's now the 34th generation of or 19th or 17th or 28th or whatever, right? And now there's 35, right? So anyway, um, I come to find out that, you know, his family had money, but his dad was a raging alcoholic. He was great when he wasn't drinking, but most nights, guy would stumble in the house, drunk off his ass, and be absolutely violent. He would go into the bedroom and beat his mom, right? Beat Hatsumi Sensei's mom. Um, and so that's where he learned a lot of his tactics with, like, distraction and getting this guy to wear down energy-wise until he just, like, fell asleep, right? He'd cover him up, right? Not doing anything to kind of trigger those little moments and, and things like that, how to be evasive, how to be... Um, you know, how to use like what we come to find out are skills within the Ninja Uge and stuff like that, right? So, um, I come to find out that, wow, this guy that I idolize, wow, no shit. And he rose above it. Huh. Look at that. Maybe, right? But I still ran into a lot of a lot of issues, right? And it took for teachers to look at me and go, look, you have a choice. Okay? Here's three choices. Okay. Accept whatever situations and conditions are going on, right? And shift your brain so that you're okay with it, so you can get on with things and produce results, right? Or accept the fact that you've decided to limit yourself. And so there's a lot of things you're not going to be able to do because you won't make the changes that are necessary. Or you walk away from it, you get away from it, right? Or you have the tough conversations with those other people that might be involved so that the changes that need to happen will happen, right? But either way, stop bitching about it. Stop complaining about it. Stop thinking about yourself in the context of a victim. Right? Because you're doing nothing more than reminding yourself and the universe that, yep, absolutely, you're a victim. Right? So these were the, like the hard lessons that I had to get. And then I had to be mindful of my thoughts. I had to be mindful of my, my speech and how I describe things. I had to catch myself using old word patterns that spoke of victimhood and and the inability to, and all these reasons why. And it took a while to get, in, in Mikio we call it a turning in the seat of consciousness, so 
my brain became tuned to finding solutions rather than focusing on shit, right? So anyway, right? So again, there's this conflict between what we've been conditioned to, right? Well, I'm not going to be nice about it because that's, that's depersonalizing things, right? What you've been conditioned, right? To believing, to, you know, whatever, right? Um, to see, to think, to do about what's possible for you or for your clan or whatever, right? And what's really so, right? What's really true. And again, we have to find this gap, right? We, we have to, there's this gap between what you've been taught and this, this burning desire, right? For mastery, so for some of us, it's just a freaking train, right? Uh, to have a better job, to get, you know, so, I mean, I know the common thing in today's world, which is not a warrior way to do things, right? The common thing today is I don't believe that I have the potential to do anything else. I believe that I am downtrodden. I believe that the man is holding me back. I believe that I've been forced into a state of victim, victimhood, slavery, whatever. And so what I have to do is rise up with all the other victims and bully the world into giving us more instead of figuring out how to unleash my potential so that I can move into a different place where I can naturally produce more. There's this huge gap, right? And, and it's becoming, it's become fashionable, right? How many points can I get for what different categories of victimhood that I can fall into, Right. I mean, this just takes the welfare state and just blows it out into a whole cultural uh, ideology. And I know that's going to make me the target of a bunch of people. But you know what? I was raised in a fucking welfare family with this kind of mentality. So don't tell me that I don't understand. I understand both sides. Maybe the problem for those who would tell me that I don't understand is that I do understand and you don't want to hear it. Okay. No, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm just, you is in a, in a general context because everybody listening in on the, on the podcast is enlightened, right? So, um, you probably don't need this lesson anyway. That's why James and I are watching people jumping on the podcast, sticking it out for 30 seconds to five minutes and then jumping right back off again, right? Cause I'm either boring them or it's not, I'm not talking about martial arts techniques and all that, but I am, right? We could be battling a physical attacker coming at us. Or we could be battling uh, stupidity and people trying to, like, play head games with us and all that. Or we could be battling what one of my teachers used to call the, agner the dragons of ignorance and misdirected desire. Okay? I mean, anyway. So, um so I was introduced to, you know, we were all introduced to these different lessons, right? What people tend to focus on is the the, the how-to, the steps, right? The, the things for fighting, right? Here are all these fighting skills. The problem is that most of these people are fucking terrified, right? That they want to feel powerful, but they don't want to do all the hard work that actually makes somebody powerful, right? Because God forbid you become one of them, right? Because, you know, powerful people... They screw you over, they're, they're douches, they're whatever, right? All these names we have for people that, you know, we resent because they have more than we have or whatever, right? So 
That's what we need to think about, right? We have these, and I've talked about these things before, right? We have these three aspects of the ninja, right? We have the Miwo Shinobu, the Kokoro Shinobu, Shikiwo Shinobu, right? Miwo Shinobu, the body capable of enduring. Kokoro Shinobu, the uh, mind capable of enduring, right? And the Shikiwo Shinobu, the perception, right? This this self-check kind of thing, right? To keep ego in check that reconciles what's going on on the inside, what's going on on the outside, right? To make sure that we're, we're, we recognize universal truth and we're, we're reflecting that, right? We're, we're living to natural laws, uh, those kind of things, right? What I want you to think about is not just the fact that we have things to train with in each of these areas. What I want you to think about is how, or the reality is that these are areas that yes, it's training, but these three areas to develop the body capable, the mind capable, the spirit, ca right, actually is the training to prepare us to be able to handle all the really hard shit we're going to face as we move toward whatever that goal is that we're going to, whether it's martial arts mastery or who knows, wealth building, uh, getting that degree, right? And the rest of the family's jumping on us because we think we're all that, a bag of fucking chips. But, you know, we're trying to be highfalutin and, oh, Luca's got the money because they just bought a new car and whatever, right? Um, people do all kinds of bullshit to knock you down. But if that's what's going to stop you, then I have to question how much you really wanted it, right? But that's not exactly true either, right? Because if we don't have the tools to handle it, then we're going to have a hard time, right? We may need physical skills because somebody could be so bothered by our potential strength. My abusive stepfather, sixth grade dropout, right? He was raised in a poor family, whatever. Didn't have a lot of aptitude there anyway, uh, but he was willing to beat me to keep me in place so that, and I mean, and it wasn't just fists, right? It was name calling and stuff. I mean, stupid and, and, and ignorant, all these kind of things that would demean me, break my self-esteem, my sense of self-confidence and all that stuff to get me to believe that so that I wasn't a threat so that I couldn't produce more. I wouldn't know more. I couldn't do more, whatever. Do you get this? Right? So, Think about it in the context of bullying, right? Some bullies are just willing to attack you physically, right? Give me your damn lunch money. I'm going to beat the shit out of you, right? Okay. Other ones, maybe they're not physically capable of that and more they're worried about getting punched in the face themselves, right? So maybe that's not them. Maybe they're really smart, right? So what they do is play all kinds of word games, throw puzzles at you, uh, all kinds of, you know, psychological warfare kind of things, right? Um, to convince you that you're dumber than them or they're smarter. Either way, both these people are trying to position themselves into a superior position, right? You got the other kind of bully that, um, you know, uses things like friendship and love and all that. Uh, it's a whole different type of psychological warfare, right? Uh, one of the terms for it in today's modern world is gaslighting, right? Doing things to make you think that you're freaking nuts, that you're, you're the one that's insane, right? And what they're doing is trying to break you down so they can take your shit, right? Um, See what I just covered? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, life, relationship kind of thing, right? So 
these three aspects of a ninja, somebody who can endure, right? It's about enduring challenges, right? I mean, if you're just going to sit on your ass and complain that you can't and or you're comfortable. And so, you know, this other stuff is really tough. And I don't know, you know, can I just buy a black belt? You know, whatever, right? Um, if you're going to do, do that, you, you don't need these aspects, right? If you're just waiting for somebody to, waiting for Aunt Minnie to die and will you a million dollars? Well, you don't need these things, right? You don't need mental resilience. You don't need physical resilience, right? You just, you know, do what you do, right? So, but they're about, these three areas are about reconditioning yourself, rebuilding yourself, recreating yourself, right? To handle the challenges that prevent success, that prevent mastery, that prevent wisdom, enlightenment, whatever the goal is, right? You're going to need to be able to weather the storm, right? I mean, why else would we, why else would it be called needed to, right? Jutsu, skills, art, science, nin, perseverance, endurance. Why the hell would it be called, why might not just call it, you know, tajutsu and just, well, 90% do. Because the rest of the shit's too, too difficult, right? Um, or it's, it's seen as, you know, well, that's not what we do in today's world and stuff. It's just, you know, well, you just freaking took your focus on this thing that's ginormous and brought it down to some really small aspect that is the easiest part. You show up in a room with a bunch of other people, you put on special clothes, you go through some, through some prearranged dance moves, whether the historical or your teacher made it up for you to do it, right? You feel all great about yourself, but it's not being pressure tested and probably never will. But we can walk around with this sense of confidence with our big fucking ego bone, right? Our sternum puffed out at the world um, like we're jack shit and, and you know, whatever, right? Um, no, the, 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 the stuff is designed... There's a whole other body of, of knowledge and training to prepare us to be able to weather the frickin' storm to make these changes, right? To, to gain the kind of, to attain the goal, the dream, the vision, whatever it is you have in your frickin' head, whatever's driving you, whatever's causing a bunch of you to send me frickin' emails, you at least took that step, which is awesome, right? But then you're going to turn around and just shoot yourself in the face. Right? That'd be like, there's a good analogy, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a weapon to protect myself against all the bad guys, but when the get bad guys show up, and there's, that's what I train for, that's what I have the tools for and all that. But when they show up, I'm gonna turn the gun on myself. Cause, you know, I'm gonna lose anyway. What kind of shit is that? Right? Oh, and for those of you who keep showing up for this thing, waiting for me to talk about, uh, martial arts techniques, that's not what Kuden is about. Not just the podcast, it's not what the term points to. Teacher-student uh, uh, transmission of stuff that's grander than these little freaking models, right? Oh, I'll get to one technique today, okay? Just so everybody's happy, all right? So what else do I have here? Uh, da -da -da. Okay, so this is what I was taught, right? Everybody wants to know what, you know, what, what were you taught way back in the day, right? Well, this is what I was taught, right? Was taught to stop fucking pissing and moaning and whining and uh, maybe even swearing too, but either way, <laughs> right? That's contextual. And sometimes you need to be punched in the face to, to move, right? Um, this was not me, okay? The person I'm talking to, whether it's you or somebody else, whatever, the person I'm talking about right now, 
was the old me. Absolutely, was the old me. I mean, think about if if you know if you remember any of the stories that I've that I've passed on through this, right? Takamatsu Sensei, right? Everybody reveres him. Oh, the clouds opened and the beams of light came through, and and you know he was materialized as a living warrior. Bullshit. His name was Crybaby when he was in school. He was so freaking bullied that the kids would knock him down on the ground and then ride him around the damn schoolyard like a freaking dog or a horse. Right? His dad was so frustrated trying to get things handled and fixed and toughen this kid up or whatever, and it just nothing was working, and he was freaking lamenting to his own dad, right? And Grandpa says, send him to the dojo. I'll fix it. And for the first year, he did nothing but throw this freaking kid around, um, crying the whole time, right? Throwing him around. Tripping him, throwing him, whatnot. So Takamasu had to learn break falls, had to learn to roll, had to learn to not break. That was the whole first year, right? How many of you would have stuck with the training if you were flat out just told, you can't quit, you're not going anywhere, you will show up here every day after school, you will put on this uniform, and here's what the hell is going to happen. Until you can't not get broken, we're not doing anything else. Until you stop crying like a little damn baby and you handle a problem that's been given to you instead of whining about it, right? Nobody ever said you had to like it, but how, how many of us would have stuck with it, right? Because after a while, that's not freaking entertaining. As a matter of fact, probably day one, it wasn't entertaining, right? But the first goal was to not, to, to end up in to being in a state where you're not breakable. The physical body capable of enduring Physical challenges. Mentally, nobody gives a shit whether you want to or not. You will do this and you will be successful or you will break in the, in the process. And he ended up becoming mentally resilient. He ended up becoming the 33rd grandmaster of the Togakure school and all these other, you know, this, this guy that everybody's like, <gasps> right? He didn't, he wasn't born that way. Stop thinking that we were all born this way. Anyway, right? So uh, I've been asked recently about, um, oh, wait, I have a little note here, right? So this is what I was taught. Uh, and most people are terrified to do anything differently, right? I mean, that's what it, really what it comes down to. But anyway, there were these rank areas, right? These What we were testing on, um, I, things just changed along the way um, to where, Rank became like this honorary thing or people got promoted because they had a good heart or you've been around for so many years. So therefore you should have the same uh, skill set as everybody else who's been training the same uh, level. That's what I was told, right? I, I jumped from fifth degree to eighth degree, not because somebody tested me while I was in Japan, but because um, I had been around for this number of years and I should have the same rank as everybody else. Well, that's bullshit. Okay. Now, looking around at the skill sets, um, our curriculum is what it is because of that. Anyway, so I should probably take a drink. I keep picking up this freaking can. Okay. So, um, I was always tested through standards, right? There's a curriculum. There's, uh, there's standards to meet, there's certain things, and they all built upon each other, right? It wasn't just, you know, here's the stuff we'd like you to know. Um, 
but it's not what most people think, right? What most people tend to think is, okay, so you were tested on like Ichimonjil Kata, you were teaching to, you know, whatever. And they were, I mean, we had a, we had a, a curricula of, of physical techniques, of, of physical skills, rolling, leaping, break falls, shooting and throwing, weapons were in there, certain types of meditation, breathing. So there were skill sets, right? And we had to demonstrate proficiency before we could go on to the next set because the next set depended on the fact that we knew this stuff, right? Um, so that Shuhati model, but I didn't know about the Shuhati model until I was well into the black belt levels because we didn't use that terminology, but the, the way it was laid out, right? When everybody looks at, at the stuff that my original teacher did and they're like, oh, it's not the way they do it in Japan. Just because we didn't use the same words or do it exactly the same way doesn't mean that the same fucking process wasn't, wasn't happening, right? But anyway, right? On the test, we had, we had these testing forms, right? Um, we're, we're about to, we're making some changes to the, to the dojo and all that kind of stuff as well and bringing back some things that we used to do before I tried to run everything through a pandemic and even before that. Um, but we have these rank request forms, right? It didn't matter if somebody came up for testing, uh, because it was scheduled or whatever. They completed this stuff. That way, when they passed, we already had the information to submit for the rank or we knew what was to go on the, on the, uh, rank certificate and the bigger our school gets the harder it's going to be for any person that's sitting down at the admin desk to, you know, right now there's, well, we have 51 students. Um, but that grew really, really fast. So a lot of my, my uh, guys, my, the Shidoshi that are teaching, uh, my admin assistant at the, at the front desk, people are having a hard time freaking, you know, keeping names straight because we went from 10 or 12 coming out of the pandemic. Right. Uh, and then really kicking things into high gear mid-November, so just before Christmas, right? And then by the end of January, beginning of February, we go from 10 to 12 to 51, right? There's a whole bunch of names that they have to catch up with, right? you imagine what's going to happen when there's 250 students running around one school? Okay. I know. Yeah. You're going to turn into a McDojo. You know, until you're in the process and you know what we're doing, uh, if that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy and better about yourself, then by all means, right? Um, anyway, so, but that's not what I'm talking about, right? On the testing form, there was this little reminder, right? That there's three areas that you're being reviewed for. And like the, the test where you were demonstrating your physical skills, that was one part of it. But leading up to that, your teachers were always paying attention to certain things. Like during test, I mean, we have test nights, right? But you can look at physical skills. You can ask questions about certain academic things. Uh, you know, here's this term in Japanese. What is the English translation for that term, right? Uh, that kind of stuff, right? That's a part of academic things, right? So, but there were these three aspects, okay? And they didn't, it didn't say Niwo Shinobu. Shikibo Shinobu, Kokoro Shinobu, right? That, that's just, you know, that man, we didn't use that kind of terminology. That was that's in the back of the Nijitsu uh, History and Tradition book, the first book that Hatsumi Sate had written that came out in English, right? That's that's where that is, right? Um, and a lot of people that like to argue with me, right? Obviously can't read or don't read or um, just like to guess their way through things, and I don't have. I don't have discussions with people like that any more than I have a discussion uh, with a six-year-old about maybe I should move up, do something uh, to the engine of my car, but they don't understand the how, how the engine, how anything works, 
right? So I don't, I don't, I don't have discussions with people like that, right? Um, but anyway, right? So the, these three areas, right? And it very clearly spelled it out. You're being tested on your ability with your physical skills and techniques. You're being assessed or tested on your, on an intellectual level, right? Your, your understanding of things like, let's say I, I wrote a bunch of this stuff down, right? So, uh, your understanding, uh, about the art, right? P the principles that you're working on within that given, uh, uh, skill area, um, an understanding about the history, right? Of the art. You have no idea how many, how many times, um, like, like take groups to Japan and then yes, we train at the dojo and all that, but we'll take these day trips and we'll go to Tsugakushi. Uh, it used to be called Tsugakure, now it's Tsugakushi Mountain, where the Tsugakure view came from, right? Or we'll go to Kyoto to this or that temple or whatever that's connected historically to what we do, right? And every once in a while, every once in a while, right? People, what I found was we, we just had this reputation that, like, you know, we, we just, like, ran around and did sightseeing instead of going to training. No, it was all training, okay? But every once in a while, somebody will have the balls to actually, like, ask, right? Why, why do you go there? And after I give them this look, like, um, because my students need to understand the history and the connection, and if I put boots on the ground, right, then they start to get not just a not just a, a better understanding or a knowledge of the history and where that is in the country and stuff like that, but a deeper connection and bond to the actual art itself and, and the people and, and what, you know, how this came about. But I'll lay this stuff out, and... And I'll, I'll mention certain parts in certain books that Hatsumi Sensei wrote or whatever, right? I'm like, so we go and we, we look at this, right? Um, I remember one guy one time, uh, he asked me about this and he said, so what's so great there, right? I mean, I, I think I heard somewhere that Hatsumi Sensei like, like put a museum there, but I mean, you know, what's the big deal, right? And so, uh, I laid it out, right, that, like, all this stuff that you see pictures of and all that, that Hatsumi Sensei got from Takamatsu, all this primitive stuff, right, ended up in this museum on Togakushi, right? So it's all there, but there's this ninja house that kind of gives you an idea of how the trap doors and, and some of this stuff works and all that, right? But a bunch of this old stuff, right, and uh, there's a um, there's a warrior cemetery along the path, uh, between one point and another that we go to and about the, the history of this thing and how it was significant and all that, right? And I just spell it out a little bit and, and point to a couple of reference points in, it helps me since these books or videos or whatever, and they'll just look at me and go, wow, I never knew that that was not my fault, brother. But if you don't, don't go after this, then it definitely is you, right? So... Uh, but anyway, right? So uh, there was this understanding of the history of the art, uh, the strategies that are being uh, uh, transmitted through that model, that example, right? Uh, for a lot of people, that sacrosanct, that that holier than thou model, right? That kata. Uh, no, it's an example, right? Um, what I was being tested on was the why, right? Could I explain the why, right? Did I understand it? Right. And then this third area, which was quite surprising, but it's probably the most significant thing um, for me and how this stuff separated out. And people, while well, people will say that my first teacher made all this stuff up, right, that that's not historical. Right. 
you have to ask when the person who's saying it jumped in, jumped into the training because um, people believe that it is the it is the way it is and always has been based on how they encountered it, right? But if you read some of the early books by Hatsumi Sensei, by Stephen Hayes or whatever, that described classes in Japan before this big freaking ninja boom and how Hayes trained or Duran Navone trained or whatever, and these lessons and, and kind of things that were going on in class happened, it's very different from what most people have experienced, right? But this third area that we were being assessed on was life improvement. Let that sink in for a minute. Life improvement, right? Because our life was a reflection of the lessons and the way we were applying those lessons in our lives. Well, does that mean that we were getting into fights? And, you know, Sensei, you were a, you were a cop and stuff, so, you know, you got a chance to use that stuff. Uh, what about the rest of us, right? Well, here's the thing. This is happening anyway, right? Your life is a reflection of how the art's being applied. If I don't know anything more than the physical techniques and I'm not being physically attacked, well, how do I apply it? If I'm getting intellectual, academic, life lessons and all that and not applying them, well, shit, well, there's, of course, there's going to be no change, right? The change is, and the, and the reflection is going to be to the degree, not just whether or not we're applying it, but to the degree that we're applying it, right? So that was being looked at as well, right? Um, I, I can truly say that there was a level of discomfort when I first got involved with the group and I, you know, grew through that and all that. And then the group changed and whatnot. But I always gravitated toward the inner circles and the groups that made me feel one, uncomfortable. Like I was not, I was like the outsider, thankful that they let me in, but I better freaking step it up to, to belong in that group, right? The cool thing is we always had this, this growth kind of thing going on. So there was always something you could get involved in voluntarily, right? But there was a selection process voluntarily to get involved in. Any of my local students recognize the model, right? We're still doing it, right? Okay. So, but you should feel uncomfortable, right? Otherwise you're not growing, right? So, but anyway, um, our lives are a reflection of how we're applying the lessons. If we don't know them, well, then no reflection, right? If we do know them, but we're not applying them, still going to be obvious, right? What we think we know, or here's one better, what we're focusing on is going to be reflected back, okay? By accident or by intentional application of the principles and concepts, okay? I'll give you a physical example but I want you to take a moment and look around. If, you, if you're online, if you've been jumping through any of these forums or whatever, right? There's a bunch of freaking drama shit just floating around all over the place, right? And it's funny how people think they're not a part of it, but they're mentioning it. But those of us who are following it but not participating, just so we can keep, be clear about what kind of shit's going on, right? What's funny is... People will take the high route like this other person's doing it, but they're involved in the process. They're just pretending that they're not, right? But if you look around, 
I don't care if it's the martial arts world. I don't care if it's within Ninjutsu. I don't care if it's within the Bujinkan. I don't care whether it's within the three cons, right? Bujinkan, Genbukan, Jininkan, right? There used to be a lot of infighting. Now there's more silence about it or whatever. But if you look around, <laughs> what you're going to see is bullshit. People threatening to fight each other or challenging each other to fights or whatever. To me, that's just, that's, that's people that are focused on fight skills, right? But there's, so this is what happens when we're only focusing on one or two of those three areas, right? And this can, this can happen in a bunch of different combinations, but just for instance, right? If we're focusing on one and or two, right? So the physical and the intellectual, right? If it's all physical, we know what that's going to look like. Physical and intellectual, then people will start talking about they're quoting historical facts and all that so they can be the top dog, right? But what you have, one way or the other, you have fighting, right? You either have all out, like, challenging to fight so we can see who's the top dog and all that, right? Or you got this this argumentative bullshit fighting, right? Um, but the opposite happens, too. If our primary focus is on number two and number three, right, the intellectual and the life stuff, right? The wisdom, enlightenment teachings, those kind of things, right? Then what we end up with is, is this blissful thinking, but no bite to the technique, right? So, you know, we got high rank and we, we talk a good blissful show and this and that, spirituality and all that, right? Um, but we're not willing to pressure test our techniques, right? And both sides knock the other one, right? So the, the blissful thinking side, right? The spiritual side, right? We don't have a need for any of that other, you know, that tough guy kind of stuff or whatever. The tough guys are knocking the other ones like, yeah, but don't you, you don't pressure test anything. So I'll kick any of your ass. Just all kinds of bullshit, right? Just in that little microcosm, it's a reflection of how they're applying things in their lives, right? Here's another way to look at it, okay? We take the, again, any skill, any technique, right? And run it through the same process, okay? How do I get something like Ichimonji no Kata to reflect in my life as, as the way I'm producing results unless somebody's punching me in the face, unless somebody's trying to stab me, right? People, there, there's this disconnect because, again, people are taking this big freaking monstrosity of a system and bring it down to something that's easily controlled, easily learned, easily quote unquote mastered, as I've been told, right? Um, but it's just this little thing. And then you live in a peaceful neighborhood and society. And then what? Well, you get to talk a good show and you get to BS people all the time, but nobody's attacking you. Or you live like some of the guys that I know in the art, you live in certain areas and you won't move out of them because that's where we've always lived, right? And that's where my people live and all that, right? And so I have a need for these survival skills, um, you know, so I've got to be the top dog on the street. See, life choices, conditioned, accidental, intentional, whatever, right? Your life is a reflection of how you're applying the lessons, right? So let's use each emotional kata. Let's do that, shall we? Okay. So physical prowess, physical proficiency, right? Skill proficiency. That's easy. 
teach me this thing, right? I start out in this gyokoryu kamai, right? Sichimon's no kata, he throws a punch, I shift, I do a squatting counter strike to this, this count, to this uh, incoming pressure point or a receiving arm, whichever one you're doing with your model, right? And then I shift in while controlling his the, the punching arm so it doesn't get away from me, and I, I break his balance, come in with this omote shito to the side of his neck, drive him into the ground, back off, right? Fantastic. Wonderful. Okay? Yay! Right? Just like applauding for somebody who did a great uh, ballet dance in an opera uh, or whatever, right? Okay? But what about the intellectual side of that, right? What is it? What 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 is Ichimoji no Kata? What are we doing, right? What is it? Where, where, where's the strategy? The tactics? What's going on, right? Okay. Well, if I can understand, if I can learn from that form, that what I'm doing is I'm neutralizing the force of his attack as he's coming in. I'm catching him, and I'm moving in such a way that allows me to move in on him, breaking his balance at the same time right? Neutralizing whatever he's doing, right? Finding an opening and moving in in a way that I can access that where he can't stop me, he can't resist or whatever. And if he tries, it backfires on him even more. And there's a lot more to Ichimonji no Kata, right? Uh, as a Kihon, it's teaching you how to strike while stepping, where Jumonji no Kata is teaching you to strike without stepping. All kinds of things, right? But here's this thing, right? I'm neutralizing what he's throwing at me, Finding an opening and then entering in a way that he can't he can't do anything about it, right? So that I can deliver my my counter, right? And if he does try, right, to to resist, to escape, to whatever, it just backfires on him and it, it gets even worse for him, right? So that's the gist. Okay, what the hell does that look like in life, Sensei? It can show up in lots of different ways, but let's just pick one, okay? Somebody's arguing with me. Somebody's yelling and screaming and all kinds of stuff and calling me names and pointing out all these flaws about me and all that kind of stuff, right? So what can I do? I can mentally take up a position that's good for observation, right? I'm not going to respond to anything. I'm going to pay attention, right? Just like in, in Kamai, all, all the time they're moving around and getting set before they start slinging things, Right. And maybe even if they do, right, I'll just move and, and stay away from these things as they're coming in. Right. But I'm observing. I'm watching their attacks. I'm paying attention to what they're doing. Right. That kind of thing. I'm moving my targets so they can't hurt me. That kind of thing. Right. So what I'm doing mentally is listening. Right. Observing. Right. Listening. Right. Not responding. I'm not going to react. I'm not just going to flail. I'm not just going to, you know, they're yelling at me, calling me names. So I'm going to yell at them and yell and call them. No, 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 no. I'm going to pay attention to what they're doing. I'm going to listen to what they're using, right? Things that are true, right? I'm going to set off to the side for the moment because they don't matter at the moment, right? I'll work on that myself. If it's true, then I'll take responsibility for it and I'll fix it. That's not the issue at the moment, right? What I'm listening for are lies, embellishments, right? Bluffs, all kinds of things that are not true. See, now they're giving me targets, okay? And when they take a breath, or when I'm ready, and I go, no, 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 my turn to talk. And I start only pinging on the things that they were wrong about, they lied about, they embellished about, or whatever, right? That's what I'm going to target, okay? 
because any attempt on their part to fix that to what just digs a deeper hole. They lied. You can't fix that, right? So that's why I'm not going to sling back about things that are true, right? That's the punch coming at me, right? That's the kick. That's the knife. That's the stab, right? I'm going to I'm going to just mentally avoid those, right? Just kind of step, put them off to the side. And what I'm paying attention to are the openings, and the openings are lies, embellishments. They're making shit up, whatever, right? And then when it's my turn. I'm going to target the weaknesses. I'm going to target the things that if they try to resist or whatever, they try to sling back, they're just going to dig holes deeper. It's just going to backfire on them and make it worse on them, right? I'm going to leave the things that are true alone, just like I would leave punches and knives and all that stuff. I'm, just, I'm getting out of the way, right? That's, that's for another day. That's for me to go work on me if it's true, right? But what most people do is fight like freaking cavemen. Whether it's fisticuffs or whether it's, you know, they're yelling at me and I'm yelling at them and I will, they'll say anything to win the fight or, you know, make me feel bad and crushed and all that. And I'll do the same thing to them. And then afterwards, we're going to apologize and go, I'm sorry, baby, I really didn't mean it. Really? You meant to win the damn fight. You won. Don't apologize. Right? If you meant to burn bridges, don't apologize. If you're apologizing to keep somebody in your life, because you're afraid to be alone, so that's a whole different problem area, right? But do you get where I'm going with this, right? So Ichimonji no Kata has a physical form. Ichimonji no Kata has a strategic, tactical, intellectual reason, logic that's being used, right? And then it can show up in many different ways in your life, whether I'm dealing with a, with a, a you know, a, a pressure salesman or, like I said, the argument or whatever, right? How, right? I had to, I have to know its essential nature. And then what would that look like in different challenges, in different kind of situations? Right? So, uh, that's what, that's what we mean by applying the principles and concepts in our everyday lives. Okay. All right. So, uh, what else do I have? I think just a couple more things to wrap it up and then we'll open it up to questions. I'm sure James is keeping track of that stuff. So, um, like I said, did, uh, did I skip over some things here? Uh, okay, so like I said, this is what happens when only one or two of those three areas uh, are focused on, right? Again, we're only focusing on uh, one and two, right? Physical, mental. You get fighting of some sort, right? Because everybody's trying to vie for being top dog, but all they're focusing on are fight techniques, fight skills, you know, whatever, right? How to be the winner, how to be... Okay, so that creates a certain mentality that creates a certain a certain type of activity. Right. And that gets reflected in your life. Right. Everything's a goddamn contest. Right. Everything's a challenge. Everything and not like challenges like I'm striving to get to that goal. And I've got some challenges. Right. Coordination, understanding uh, the ability to get time off work so I could show up for certain trainings. Whatever. Those, those are challenges to get there. Right. I'm not talking about anybody that appears to be close to or getting better than you or whatever. And now you got to knock them down and put them in their place. And so I just, if, if that's the problem, then life is going to be fucking way more difficult than it needs to be. Right. Or if we're only focusing on two or three and we want to be that blissful, enlightened warrior kind of thing. Right. So it's all about soft training and it's all about really, what is it all about? Really? Don't ever forget the word Marshall. Right. It, 
means of and about warfare. Okay? Overcoming challenges, overcoming threats, those kind of things, right? But there needs to be a balance. Both sides, but it's not about both sides learning from the other. It's about every individual paying attention to these three areas of personal development, right? So uh, one of my teachers, um, Shoshi Malmstrom, he used to say, um, there's this big dog, little dog syndrome kind of thing, right? Um, you know, if you're not willing, what do you say? Um, if you can't play with the big dogs, don't get off the porch, right? And what that means is, if you can't get out there and do, you know, do challenging things and, and be willing to pressure test things. But this is, this is in both realms, not just, you know, physical challenges and, and, and attacks and things like that, right? But what about, um, your own interpersonal demons, right? I need to do steps three, four, and five in this 10 step process to get, to realize that goal, to take that cruise, to take that vacation, to, get that degree I need to, whatever it is, right? Um, I need to do those, but mm, they terrify me. I can't pick up the phone and call that person that I need to talk to. Will you do it for me? No. At some point, everybody needs to tell you no, so you have to do it yourself. Okay. And what you find is that the more you do it, the better you get because your skill gets better and you realize it's just another human being on the other end of the line. And if you get your shit together, right? you figure out that either they don't like their job. So you learn to how to communicate, right? So you learn how to get somebody to see the reasons for using Ninja no Uke, right? Instead of just being terrified, right? Uh, <laughs> one of the things that's always been funny for me is um, when we have a team, part of our team training and all that, um, uh, I, I, I tell all my instructor candidates, right? No one's ever an instructor unless they have students, which sounds like a duh, but the number of people that have introduced themselves to me and told me that they were a martial arts instructor, but they didn't have a school at the moment and they didn't have any students, you're not a damn instructor. You might be a high level black belt or a skilled person or whatever, but you need students to be a teacher. You need students to be an instructor, right? It's like uh, I, I knew someone once that um, had a church, okay? At a church. I'm a church. Uh, got this church, uh, 300, uh, see 300 people and all that. Took him to Japan one time and, you know, he had introduced himself to a couple of, uh, my peers, other Daishian and stuff. And then they said, Oh yeah, I met this guy. He's really nice. Uh, told me that, you know, he's got this 300 uh, person congregation and all that. And they went, wait, what? No, no, no. He has a church. He bought a church and he refurbished it and all that. And it has a 300 seat capacity. But he doesn't have a congregation. So, <laughs> is he really a minister? I know he might have a document and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to split hairs or whatever, but without a congregation, who the hell are you ministering to? Anyway, it is what it is, right? So, uh, but, you know, big dog, little dog kind of thing, right? Um, you, you got the one that's yapping. Looks scary, right? But if you take a step in their direction, they'll run behind the couch and bark from there. Big dog just lays around on the carpet, kids climbing all over him, all kinds of stuff, right? Bump him with your foot to, you know, get his attention and stuff, right? He knows he can gnaw your freaking leg off. He just wants to live a nice life. And if you push it too far, 
He'll growl a little bit, remind you, hey, just in case you forgot, I'll bite your damn testicles off, right? But he just wants them to live a nice life. But he's got that power. But it's the ones with the power that have the ability to lay around and and enjoy life and be comfortable and, and all that, right? It's the ones yelling around and barking and all that. Not that they're not dangerous. They can be highly dangerous, right? Because they're trying to prove a point more to themselves than to anybody else, right? They say it's about everybody else, but it's about them, right? They need to feel powerful. People that are powerful don't need to feel powerful. They don't need to remind you that they can kick your ass or that they can strip you of your job or whatever, right? So here's what I want to leave you with um, with this episode, right? Well, I'll take some questions if any pop up or whatever, but my students are, are held to this stuff, um, whether they know it or not. Uh, and you can usually tell whether or not I think you're doing well because if you're in my classes, um, I'll either mention it or not. If I see that you're working on things, I tend to not mention it a whole lot. I might drop a little clue or a cue here every once in a while or mention he's working on this or whatever, right? And I'll look over at that student and go, not easy all the time, is it, right? Um, but those who aren't, right, they probably get tired of hearing me teach the same stuff about visions and, and plans and, and, you know, uh, those kind of things that are life related and not what, what they think is martial arts related, right? But if they were actually working on it, I wouldn't mention it very much because they only need guidance every once in a while. They don't need to be reminded constantly, right? So, uh, I know a lot of people are going to go, well, my teacher doesn't mention it at all, so I must really be cooking. Maybe your teacher's not focused on it at all. How about that? Okay. Uh, and that also begets the why people would be gravitated to learning from teachers that um, aren't, that they haven't, they haven't gained the kind of level of success that you aspire to. Right? I have always sought out the best in whatever area, right? And certain times that kind of thing changed because I realized mm, I needed something different and you're not cutting it or you're showing me aspects of how you live life. Mm, no, 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 no. I don't want to be like that. So I'm going to realign to this teacher, right? Remember, Ninja did that historically, okay? So, but what I would suggest is you take these things to heart. Of course, I'm going to suggest it because ultimately it's it's up to you, right? Um, but why would you not want to expand out from just the physical and get the logic behind it, the strategy, learn more about the art and the history and all that kind of stuff so you can understand why it was developed and how it would be applied and then look for modern equivalents, right? Uh, why? What Hatsumi Sensei said say, say, now is the time for ninjutsu to shine again because of the world's conditions and things like that, right? How is that different than us just freaking taking sides and bullying the other side because it's a different ideology, right? What, what is it that he's talking about, right? Um, and then figuring out based on the logic, right? Based What is this technique teaching? What is it teaching about how to, how to control a bubble, right? Now, how can I apply that in arguments against pushy salesmen, whatever, right? Whatever challenges pop up, which technique I've, that I've learned 
I know, I learned it against a punch and a punch and a kick and I'm parrying, then I move it, right? But which one, right, um, will handle this situation? No punches are flying. Maybe no words are flying. Maybe it's internal, right? My own demons, right? But how do I handle that? What have I learned? Take a deep breath, back up observe or pull the damn trigger go right get in there get it done i don't like doing it well that's all the more reason to get it done quickly get past it get on to the stuff that you do enjoy doing most people hold off the hard stuff for last <laughs> it's just procrastination i do the hard stuff first so i will spend more time doing the enjoyable stuff right but that's me all right, uh, I'm going to unlock, I'm going to get uh, James out of his cage here, see if we got anything else. James. James Hello, sir. Because he came into the dojo and, and got something started that we used to have. We used to have these Senban Shuriken uh, decals on the floor so people could stand, uh, you know, stand. It, it's a place to stand. I mean, it, some people are going to look at it and go, oh, you're that freaking regimented. Um, when we're doing certain things, yeah, we want to get class started right away and have people in certain positions. So you laid these things out and people came to class and they were like, like I don't know, monkeys in a zoo that I tossed a key fob to, right? And they're like, oh, what is that for? And you know, what? some were like, is that tape on the floor or is that real? Is that, and I just said, I can't wait till one of you monkeys try to pick one of those tape senban up after we've done shooting evasion. And you know, you're <laughs> so, all right. Any any questions or any comments or whatever come in while I was uh, doing that long diatribe there, uh, James? No, no questions. Just some people when they jumped on saying hi, like Shane's here, Jen's here. Awesome. Hey, Julio. <laughs> Julio. Julio Rodriguez. Who? Oh, Julio. I'm sorry. And the student for the longest time, he was like super into it, and then. Life crap just got in the way, and then I mean that's usually how I end up losing people, and then they get sidetracked and whatever, or they left the school, and then they're afraid that I'm going to be pissed at them for the rest of their lives, and I will never let them back. Uh, I can count on one hand how many people I've kicked out of my dojo, and I will never let back because unless they can prove that they're a completely different person, um, they are they are quite damaging. So, um, but that's that. So nothing. Wow. Either I was yep. that freaking boring. Yeah. The numbers were really went up there for a while that, that people were on, but uh, you know, not their cup of tea. Maybe maybe whiteboard Wednesday will be better. So we're talking about <laughs> pressure points and all that stuff. So all right, well, cool. Um, did you have anything to throw on top of this fire? James is a new showdown, just in case you didn't know that. Yay, James. <laughs> went out and got himself a haircut. Combed his hair, actually. <laughs> 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 Sensei's an ass. I know James is an ass. Right. <laughs> anyway, all right, cool. So nothing. Nope. Nothing right. came in. All right, a couple of dates to throw out at folks. If I can remember these things correctly off the top of my head, uh, spring camp. Is that that's April, right? No. Wait. Oh shit, that's May thirteenth, fourteenth, and. Uh, shit, I thought I had it. <laughs> Hold on a second. 
you have- <laughs> May 13th through the 15th. There you go. 13th through the 15th. Thanks. May. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it. Right. Uh, fall camp is September 30th, October 1st and 2nd. Right. So I know it sounds like three full days, but uh, Friday nights are an eight to 10. I know it's a late training. Can I just come in for Saturday morning? Yeah, but we do some really cool shit for the few people that come in for Friday night. Um, so hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You might want to try to get some extra training in, right? But anyway, it's a late thing. And then, uh, cause some people can make it. Some people can. I'm, I'm poking fun and I'm just trying to see who I can irritate because that's what I do. Um, and then full days on, uh, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and you know, good, 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 good thing. And then, uh, like homeosai for 23 is January 6th, 7th and 8th. Is that right? Six, seven, yes, eight. Yes. Same thing, right? Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. The only difference between those is um, Daikomyo side for the new year. Uh, we do a New Year's Goma uh, active meditation from our Mikyo uh, that's for goal setting uh, to really, I call it goal setting on steroids. Uh, we literally, well, not literally, I guess metaphorically, burn it into your psyche. So, because uh, fire's involved, right? Oh, shit, fire. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, that's all good. And we have a bunch of things that are going on, uh, that, that I'm going to be adding to the schedule here. Uh, but the big thing that I had to get on, uh, very quickly here is the first Saturday in March. Is that the fifth, March 5th? Uh, a 10 week instructor training program kicks off. Um, and I, this is where it's going to be boring for a lot of people. Maybe not. James, I don't know. Was it boring the first time around? No. It was, it was unsettling, right? Uh, and while people are doing martial arts techniques, I'm not running a 10 week course so I can teach you how to do the techniques that you'll be teaching other people. Um, I would never let anybody teach a class they don't already know the freaking techniques for, right? So, um, but what I'm covering during those 10 weeks is, uh, the psychology of being a professional martial arts educator, right? How to, teach to and communicate with the four different learning types, uh, how to structure a class, uh, how to uh, use uh, certain uh, like neuro-linguistic uh, techniques and whatnot that help a student get over and around their own self-imposed limitations, fears, concerns, um, whatever, you know, those condition traps and, and those kind of things like that. So we'll do things like locator questions and pre-framing and reframing and, and those kind of things to help a student learn quickly, right? Um, by, by getting over their own little, uh, their own little thing. But there's a lot in there about leadership because your class is a reflection of the, of the leader, of the instructor. Uh, the reality is, is that in every class that you teach, and this is not just for people that want to be a t- an instructor now, you know, they might be, you might be a white belt. You might be a yellow belt, green belt, right? You might want to learn how to use some of these techniques and tactics to help teach your kids important lessons. Or you might be a manager at work and you need to convey things. This stuff crosses lines. It's not just about martial arts, right? Um, where was I going to go with that original thing? Um, uh, shit. What did I say before I, I threw that little, little detour in there, James? Um Oh, it's not just for, yeah, like I said, it's not just for somebody who's who's doing it now or whatever, right? You might be an aspiring uh, teacher. You might think about doing that down the line, right? Um, uh, but the uh, uh, what we're going to have, obviously, we'll be doing training at the dojo, but we will have a virtual option for this, okay? So those of you who are uh, running your own training groups, 
uh, or those of you who are in the, at the school, you will have active internship kind of, um, uh, exercises that you have to do, whether it's teaching something, uh, or whatever. So you can practice, you know, using these, uh, using these skills, but there's a lot of leadership in there as well. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Right. Uh, one of the first things that instructor candidates will learn, I'm going to, you know, kind of giving you a heads up on this is that, uh, every, every instructor needs to remember that every class that they teach, in every class that they teach, their students are either one step closer to black belt or one step closer to the next belt or the next black belt or whatever, or one step closer to the door. Okay. Instructors need to stop blaming student attrition on bad students, on non-committed students, right? Students who see value, students who, um, who are, are seeing progress and, and that kind of thing. And I don't mean fake stuff, like I'm giving them belts and whatever, right? But they see value, they see, and they're getting higher level lessons, right? Um, you will have students for life, right? Students that we t tend to have drop off, except when this damn pandemic happened and you realized just how many people um, were doing it as an activity because we went virtual and they couldn't even come to class, but they didn't even have to leave their house, right? So that was pretty interesting. But um, uh, anyway, the, so it's this, it's this mindset, this leadership mindset, managing a class, thinking about things from the term, from the context of client fulfillment, right? When somebody signs up for your classes or they jump into your group or whatever, right? You've made a promise, whether you explicitly stated it or not. There's a, there's a promise of value. There's a promise of, of skill set, progress, that they're going to be getting what it was that they came to you for. And that might not be how to learn how to do Ichimon Junokata. It might be improved confidence. It might be improved sense of discipline or, or anger management or whatever, right? And whether or not they're around or not will de is dependent upon how you focus. And it doesn't have to be like 100%, right? It could be, it could be 5% of a class, but I'm hitting on something every class that that student absolutely wants to get out of the training, right? And, you know, I, James knows, I mean, we had that, that meeting last Thursday to open it up for instructors or instructor candidates, right? Um, we had people tripping over themselves to to jump on that, right? I mean, it was a huge turnout, right? So um, now they have to go through an application process to see, uh, to make sure that they're going to be okay. But um, either way, right? So that'll be virtual as well. So that's, that's uh, there's a uh, full day at the front end. There's a half day at the back end. That's a, that's a Saturday uh, because there's a lot to pack into that that initial thing. And then it's every Wednesday, right? Every Wednesday evening. Is that six? Six, six, six or seven. Something like that, right? Um, for, I think, a total of 10 weeks, right? Although there's two classes on that tail end week. Uh, Wednesday, we have a class. And then Saturday is a review and test, right? So, um, yeah, cool stuff. So if you're interested, shoot us an email. Warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com. Uh, please spell warrior correctly, right? Uh, <laughs> you can always Google it. Anyway, um, anything else, James? Anything else pop in while I was? Uh, looks like Daryl's on. He just said thank you, very informative. Oh, cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. 
other than that, no. Okay, all right. Well, anything else you want to throw in the fire? <laughs> nope, I'm good. He's my opposite, right? I talk all the time. You'd think I talk all the time. When I'm done, my wife can't freaking pry words out of my mouth, right? Um, it doesn't matter. He, if I had him do a speech, he'd probably get up, smile at everybody and go, thanks for coming. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Unless I force you to do something different, <laughs> which I will. Anyway, all right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, next Monday, we'll be back on again. And don't forget this Wednesday coming up the 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Warriors Whiteboard Wednesday. And I'm covering the problem with the way people think of this idea of Q show, right? How they, how it's wrongly defined, right? It's the bad translation, right? So it really limits people's training. And we're going to look at four different types of so-called pressure points, right? How they work, how they activate. And then of course, that's the big overview lesson. It's a, it's a full lesson in and of itself. Uh, the whiteboard Wednesdays are, are a full lesson, but they're a big strategic kind of thing. Uh, but then Friday's uh, masterclass at the dojo, the virtual uh, will be a virtual kind of thing that people can jump into. So we're going to be looking at uh, pressure points. So James is probably glad that he only comes in on Tuesdays and Saturdays because uh, people are probably going to get pretty torn up on, on Friday. That's <laughs> an ass. No, that's just effective. <laughs> yes. All right. That's that's it. All right. Or don't trust me. I mean, I'm just the old fat bald guy. So whatever. You know, don't listen to that guy. But I do have a six pack ab under my uh, <laughs> under my <laughs> my fluffy exterior. All right. Before I run it, I'm, I'm going to be done. All right. So anyway. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for uh, showing up. If you're listening in on the recording and you have any other questions or topic ideas or whatever, uh, same thing. Warrior C at warriorconceptsonline.com, warrior-concepts-online.com. Uh, or you can go onto the Kuden podcast uh, page on uh, Facebook, right, and in comments, just, you know, ask a question or submit things. All right, I'll make James answer the stuff. Um, no. <laughs> we try to get to him as much as possible, but James knows how much freaking spam and, and – uh, like, can Ninja really jump up, like, to a three-story building from the, from the ground like they show in the movies? Right? We love getting those, don't we? Or somebody that signs oh, up for something, right, gets information, all that, and then doesn't do anything for a while, gets an email from me, right, and then we get this flaming freaking, eh, fuck you, right? how dare you spam me and send me stuff? And I just chuckle and send him a message and go, can you find this wing nut on whatever list he signed up for and freaking boot his ass off of things, right? What's that? Yeah, like yep. I spam people, right? I don't send anything <laughs> to anybody you didn't sign up for. So, <laughs> right? Anyway, and besides that, there's a, there's an unsubscribe freaking button all the way down at the bottom of every single email, right? You see what I've been adding? There's a PS at the, at the bottom of a bunch of my oh, emails. Yeah. <laughs> right? Don't be like one of these freaking wussies, right? Because I don't have time for your shit, right? If you can't scroll... Send one of these freaking emails. That'd be great. After I finish chuckling and I send it off to James, James will just find your name and you'll be done, right? But how about if you just be a freaking self-responsible or responsible person and scroll to the bottom of the damn thing? Anytime you think you're being spammed by anybody, right? The can't spam laws require that this thing is on the on the email, right? If you signed up for it and you decide you didn't want to get it, it's not suddenly spam because you don't want it, right? 
What makes it spam is you didn't sign up for it and or there isn't an unsubscribe link somewhere on the damn page. So if you scroll down to any of our emails, there's an unsubscribe link. <laughs> you know, it took you more. It took some of these <laughs> some of these people. It took them more time to express themselves, right, <laughs> than to scroll down and click <laughs> a damn link, right? Absolutely. I have more freaking. I have more important things to do with my life than to go through all these emails that I didn't do, and they're obviously spam, right? What do I have you do? A couple of times a week, go through and go click, 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 delete, right? I don't even, I don't even have to look at them. They do get in the way of everybody else that's sending in things too. So sometimes we do miss things because of the freaking volume of just out now bullshit that we get, right? But either way. All right. So hopefully I'll see some of you on Wednesday. Uh, and hopefully I'll see some of you uh, in May for spring camp. Well, and if not, well, make sure your ass is training. That's all I got, right? And and remember, life's your life's your litmus test, okay? And stop living by the adage that uh, absence of evidence is somehow like a forever thing, right? Absence of evidence does not prove it is not the evidence of absence, right? It's not. It, it doesn't work that way, right? All you have to do is you don't have to look in your own little bubble. If you look outside your little bubble, and if there's plenty of proof that other people have become successful using the same principles then and overcoming the same hardships, then you need to stop saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, you don't understand. I'm, you know, I'm different, right? One of the hard lessons I got is the more unique you think you are and the un more unique you think your situation is, the more average you actually are. Because everybody thinks their situation is unique. And it's just not. Okay? You want to be unique? Do the hard shit nobody else will do. And you'll get the benefits and rewards that nobody else is getting. You want to set yourself apart? Do the shit nobody else will do. That'll make a change. Huge change. Right? That's it. I'm done. Get more of Kudan Radio, subscribe to your favorite podcasting site, or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.